So we are starting a new series today called Grace Like an Ocean. This series is actually going to take us all the way to uh, Christmas Eve, to our Christmas Eve service. And I just want us to end our year with appreciation of who God is and the grace that he offers us. You see, our limited understanding is much like the ocean. There's depths that we've not yet explored as humans in the ocean. And so there are depths in scripture, there's depths to God's grace that we have yet to explore. In fact, our understanding, uh, one of my college professors said this, our understanding of who God is and the scripture that we read and study is but a drop in the ocean. That there's this vastness to who God is and the grace and love that he provides that we can hardly ever understand. But I want us throughout this series is to dive a little bit deeper into some of these stories where it seems like the judgment of God is really harsh for the punishment or the punishment is really harsh considering what his people actually did. But I want to show you how much grace God demonstrates towards his broken and rebellious people, even when we may think that the punishment doesn't fit the crime. I want you to see that God is demonstrating such a level of grace in that. And today, we're actually going to look at the very first judgment from God in the book of Genesis. Now, to give a recap and give you some context before we read the main passage today, God created everything in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. Everything that we know that exists in our world today, he created in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. And there's chapter one summed up in one sentence. There is so much in chapter one, but that's one sentence for you. In chapter two, we had a, a little bit of a glimpse into this sixth day when God created mankind in his image and likeness. Adam was created from the dust of the earth, and God said, that's not good. <laughs> he needs a companion. He needs companionship. He needs a relationship. He needs community. So he created all of the animals and all of the animals that walk across the earth and Still, he looked and said, it's not good enough for my creation, for Adam. So he put Adam in a deep sleep. And in that deep sleep, he took one of Adam's ribs. And from Adam's rib, he created a woman. And God instructs Adam that he can eat from all of the trees, all of the plants, except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it was all good until chapter 3 shows up. Chapter 3 is all about the fall of mankind, and if you've been in church for a while, if you've read your Bible much, then you probably know this story, maybe just as well as I do, that there is this serpent that was in the garden, and as uh, Eve is walking through, she wasn't named Eve yet, but, but the woman was walking through the garden, and the serpent uh, distracts her for just a moment and says, is, did God really say that you can eat from all of the trees? And the woman said, yeah, we can eat from all of the trees. We can eat every, anything that we want to, uh, that the, the, the trees and the plants produce, except for the tree that's in the middle of the garden. And he said, did he really say that you couldn't? Well, that's really because he knows that you'll be just like him. And, and because you'll be just like him, he's scared of you being knowledgeable to gain all of that wisdom. And so the woman looks at the fruit, and it's, pleasing to her eye and she takes a bite of it and then she hands that fruit to her husband who was also there supposed to be watching over her but instead he grabs it and takes a bite too 
and it's from this tree that God commanded them not to eat from. Then their eyes were opened, as Scripture says, and they realized that they were naked. So they, filled with shame, they covered themselves with fig leaves to cover themselves. And when they heard the Lord walking in the Garden of Eden, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees. God called to the man. He says, where are you? And Adam replied, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I was full of shame. And God replied, who told you that? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And Adam, as a response, blamed God for sending the woman who tempted him and gave him the fruit as if he didn't know where they were, as if he didn't know what fruit they weren't supposed to eat from. And then God looks at the woman, and woman blames the serpent and said, he deceived me. He, he tempted me. I, I didn't know what I was doing. And then we see judgment take place, first on the serpent, then on the woman, then on the man. Now, we're not going to focus so much on the judgment for the serpent because I want us to focus on humanity and, and God's people, God's creation. So in Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 16, we see this judgment taking place of the woman and of the man. So then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth, and you will desire to control your husband, but he will actually rule over you. And to the man he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, whose fruit I commanded you not to eat from, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground which, which, from which you were made. For you are made from dust, and to dust you will return. Then the man, Adam, named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who would live. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. Then the Lord God said, Look, the human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out and take the fruit from the tree of life and eat it? Then they will live forever. So the Lord banished them from the Garden of Eden, and he sent Adam out to cultivate the grounds from which he had been made. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed the mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden and placed the flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, when you read that from a surface level, it seems a little harsh. And maybe you don't think that way because you've been raised in church and you know that it's not. But uh, take a moment to just go back to before you were saved. That seems a little harsh. They ate a piece of fruit, and then God not only judges them, says you're going to experience all this pain and hurt, you're going to die because of this, but he also banishes them from the garden, throws them out into the wilderness. It seems a little uncalled for that God would basically look at them and see that they ate this fruit and say, why'd you eat that fruit? Get out of my garden, right? You're not allowed to eat that fruit. You need all these others, but this one you can't eat. To make childbirth and, and painful and where mankind would one day die after years of struggling and experiencing the pains of hurt, pains and hurts, it's just one fruit. What's the big deal about this fruit? It's just one fruit. It's just one moment. It's just one mistake. If we 
of a God who's so forgiving, then why doesn't it seem like he gives very much grace for eating one fruit? Like, I'll tell you this. When COVID hit, I got COVID, um, and then I lost my smell, and I didn't lose my taste, which was weird. It was a really, really weird experience of not being able to smell anything, but still being able to have a dulled taste because I could still taste. And since COVID, I have hated bananas. Before COVID, I was the banana king. Uh, after COVID, I can't stand them. They smell like dirty socks, and they taste like dirty socks. I can't help it. I've not tried one since COVID. I've tried two. I, I thought I recovered. I didn't. And now every time I look at a banana, I want to throw up. Right? But if God said, for me, don't eat this banana, I'd have no problem with that. Right? But for some of you, you know, you like your banana cakes and, and banana puddings and, and all those things. So if God says you can eat from any fruit all around, but, but you can't have a banana or you can't have an apple, which is what we primarily think the fruit was, even though it was probably a fig. But you, you can't have this fruit, right? Probably most of us would be like, that's fine. I prefer chocolate anyways. Like, I don't have to have fruit in my diet, right? But, we, but to, if you were to actually take a bite, and for God to say, you see this house that I've built you, you see everything that I've given you, I'm taking it all away, right? It seems harsh because it's just a fruit. It's just a moment. But you see, when God created Adam and Eve and all the creation, it wasn't because he was bored. He didn't create because he was bored one day and he was like, I need something to do. So let me just create all of these things and it'll give me something to do, something to manage. It'll make me feel really good about myself. No, I didn't need that because he had the angels. He already had the angels with him. He, he didn't need something to worship him because the angels were already worshiping him. But he also, like, like sometimes we're like, well, maybe God created us because he really wanted a community. He, he really wanted a relationship with us, and, and it sounds good. It sounds Christian, but God was already in a perfect unified community with the Trinity. He already was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one. It was this perfect unified community. So he didn't need community. He didn't need worship. He created because of his outpouring love. And when he created, he designed everything detailed on purpose for a purpose. God and de designed and created Adam and Eve and all of mankind to rule over creation, to have power and authority over everything. And God was going to provide everything that was possibly needed. He said, I'll provide all of the nutrients in surplus so that you can have everything that you need and more. You can have any of these trees except for this middle one. And Adam and Eve, for a time, were the only humans on the face of the planet to have a perfect union with God himself. And they still messed it up. But all he asks is that they don't eat from this tree. And despite everything that God gave them, it still wasn't enough. They still wanted everything in the garden. And they, they wanted the wisdom that they were promised. They, they wanted the things that they were promised by the serpent. And so they ate from the tree that God commanded them not to eat from. And they rebelled against the living God of the universe. Now, let me just tell you for a moment, this is why God judges. Because if God would have tolerated their small, insignificant sin then God would not be just. 
And if God wasn't just, then he wouldn't be perfect. And if he wasn't perfect, then he couldn't be trusted. So God had to have boundaries. He had to have things that were going to lead people uh, in the way that they were designed and created to do. You see, he created and designed Adam and Eve because he, and since he did that, he knew what was good for them and he also knew what was bad for them. Just like if you think about your smartphone, if you have a smartphone or even just your phone in general, right? And in the iPhone, uh, when you get a brand new one, it comes with like this little packet that no one reads. Um, and you kind of just, you know, put it back in the box, throw the box away, and, and no one really looks at it. But in that packet, what it actually is, is it, it gives you instructions on how to use your iPhone so that you can enjoy it to the, the fullest of its capabilities. So in that packet, you'll actually, if you read it, you'll learn more things about your iPhone than you ever knew that you could actually do with your phone. But in this packet, it also gives some warnings that if you throw your phone into the ocean, it's not going to work anymore. You're, you're not going to be able to get it. If it drops in the bottom of the pool, it'll probably last for about 30 minutes, but then after that, it's done. And there's, there's these warnings. So if I, if I take my phone and I throw it in the ocean, and then I dive down to the depths of the ocean, I pick it back up, and then I wonder why it doesn't work, it's because I didn't take very seriously the warning. Now, for some of you who don't have smartphones, you probably have a microwave in your, in your home. Do you know there's a warning for microwaves to not put metal objects in there? What happens if you put metal objects in there? The microwave will explode. Not because we want the microwave to explode, but because it's not designed to have metal inside of it. Just like we might not want the phone to stop working in the middle of the ocean, it's not designed for the depths of the ocean. And so when God created us, he, he created everything and he gave us everything. And he says, if you eat from this, it will destroy you because you're not meant to eat it. You're not meant to have this wisdom and knowledge. You're, you're not designed to be able to handle it. This is what he's telling Adam and Eve. So when we look at the actual judgment where, where uh, he's talking about everything that the women are going to go through and you can thank Eve for, for all of the childbirth pains and, and everything that I saw my wife just go through about two and a half months ago, I'm like, thank you, Eve, for making my wife miserable. I hate you. <laughs> but um, he didn't design us to be apart from him. And so when, we, when Adam and Eve, and when we eat from this fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, we're separating ourselves from God. And God is simply saying, when you rebelled against me, the consequences of you rebelling against me is going to lead to this harsh and struggle and, and all of this pain and hurt because I'm here to protect you, but you've walked your own way. You've wanted to be your own God. And that this is just the consequences of sins. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. You see, God knew that sin would physically destroy the body that he had created. That anything that, that people or mankind did, his creation did against them, it was going to destroy their body. So when sin entered, that was the consequence. And God being a just and righteous God, cast them out of the garden, not as punishment, but as an act of grace. 
And see, I, I want you to take a closer look. Genesis chapter 3, verses 22 through 23. Then the Lord God said, I'm reading from the New Living Translation today. Uh, then the Lord God said, look, the human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out, take fruit from the tree of life and eat it? Then they will live forever. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden, and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. See, God demonstrated this depth of grace and love and mercy to not make their consequences permanent. See, what would have actually happened is if they did reach out and eat from the tree of life, then hell would have immediately found its place on earth. That all of your struggles, all of your pains would have been permanent for all of eternity. That's what we call hell. And it would have been pure torture if God would have kept them in the garden and allowed them to eat from this tree of life. But because he's so full of mercy and grace, he recognized this, that, man, they are sinful and they are separated from me. But if they eat from the tree of life, they will be eternally separated from me. So he banished them from the garden, not to punish them, but to save them. And so sometimes in our life, we actually experience this. God will push us out of situations. He'll push us out of relationships. He'll push us out of jobs. He'll push us out of different, even churches. And he'll push us out of these things not to punish us. We might see it as punishment. We're like, why would you break off that relationship, God? Why would you allow that to happen? Why would you allow me to lose my job? I worked so hard for it. I really thought that was my purpose, and that's where I was supposed to be, and I worked there for years, and then all of a sudden, you just sweep the rug under me, and, and, and what, did, what did I do wrong? I, I feel so punished. I, I don't know why, why these things are happening, and God is trying to tell you. Sometimes he's just trying to tell you, I'm trying to protect you from what's about to come. You don't know what's about to come. You don't know how you can further destroy your body and your soul by staying there. So I'm going to move you because I'm full of mercy and grace to a new place. And you might see it as punishment and God's fine with that, but he wants you to know that you are here for a purpose and he's trying to protect you from something. Now, I don't know what that something is, but he does. And you may never know what that something is, but he does. And for Adam and Eve... They were banished from the garden, and they probably saw that as punishment. They're like, God, you, you gave us all of this, and now you're taking it all away. And God's like, no, I'm trying to protect you. This is where God's grace is very much demonstrated in it. He protects us from damaging our soul even more. But this past week, uh, I went even deeper. And uh, it was so exciting for me this week. And you don't have to share my excitement because I'm a Bible nerd. But I'd never really paid much attention to this part of the passage before. I, I'd known about the, um, them banishing uh, him for banishing them from the garden. That was from college. And there's a few other things. But it was this animal clothing. This animal clothing. It, I, I couldn't help. But think about it, and it's Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, right before he banishes them from the garden. It says, the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. And in the NIV and the ESV, it says garments of skin. I don't know how many times I have read Genesis 1, 2, and 3. 
It's been this uh, crazy, I, I, if I could count, it'd be a crazy amount of numbers because I, I love the beginning of time. I love this story. And uh, I love how NLT puts it. It says, he made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. That Adam and Eve, despite their rebellion, were given substantial clothing from the Lord. You see, what they were actually given, or what they actually did first, was they took fig leaves and they sold them together. Now, I don't know if you've ever wore leaves before or had them caught in your pants. They're not very comfortable, right? But outside of the comfort, uh, they deteriorate, as we're seeing right now with fall, right? What happens to them? They, they deteriorate, they, they crumble, they fall, they dissolve. And so the clothing that Adam and Eve had made for themselves to cover their shame, God instead clothed them in something substantial, that animal skins were going to last for a long time, and that these animal skins would probably last for a lifetime. And he clothed them in it so that they would have substantial clothing, and God didn't have to do that. God could have very well said, well, you were the one that fell into rebellion. You were the one that disobeyed my only command that I had for you. And so I'm going to send you out with a bunch of poison ivy all over you, and you can clothe yourself in poison ivy for the rest of your life, right? That would have been awful, right? But, but he didn't. He could have even said, you know, pine needles, they last for a long time. They never deteriorate. Wear a bunch of pine needles for all of your life. Or just simply said, you just won't be able to find any leaves. You're going to run around and dwell within your shame because you defied the Lord God Almighty, the God of the universe, and God still would have been just and righteous in that moment because they defied his law. They defied what they were created for. But God clothed them in clothing that would last, in better clothing that they could make than they could even ever make for themselves. So just think about the, the moment of your worst sins in your life. God is there. He's ready to clothe you, to keep you warm and close to him. He still provides for them and he provides for you even when you and they fell short. He'll do the same for you when you fall short in your sin. When you fall short and you make mistakes, he's there to clothe you in his mercy. When you make mistakes and, and, you, and you fall and you're, you're in this moment where you feel really sorry for yourself, he's ready to clothe you in his grace. When you struggle with temptations he, and you, or even with your faith in him, he's there to clothe you in his love. This clothing that he gives us, he clothes us in righteousness. And I want to go even deeper with the animal skins. If you can believe it, we can go deeper. I think it was intentional. Because God could have chosen some type of plant that would last. But he chose animal skins. Right? Like I said, pine needles last just about every season. And though it would have been uncomfortable, he still could have shown grace by making them... Uh, clothing out of pine needles or whatever else, but he didn't use plants. He used animal skins, which you may be wondering, uh, if you don't know where I'm actually going with this, you may be wondering why that's so significant. Why, why are animal skins so significant? Most of our clothing is made from animals. It's because no animal had died yet. If you look in Genesis chapter 1, verses 29 through 30, it says God, uh, God will tell Adam and Eve his, his two humans, the first two people to live on the earth, says all of the plants 
all of the trees you can eat from. And all of the animals that you see running around, they will all their food from animals, or from not from other animals, but they will get it from plants and seeds and fruit. And so what you actually find is that everyone at the beginning of time was a vegetarian. They were vegan, whatever you want to call it. They didn't eat meat because when sin, before sin entered, death never entered. No one was going to die. But when sin entered, death had to take place because God also told Adam in, in the early stages in, in chapter 2, he said, if you eat from this tree, you will surely die because the wages of sin is death. And so when God clothed them in animal skin, it meant that an animal had to die. Because I don't think God was just going to skin whatever animal it was and then have them running around completely exposed with all their muscles and tendons and, and organs just floating about. An animal had to die in order for Adam and Eve to be clothed, which means that an animal died in Adam and Eve's place. Now, I can't prove this because it doesn't say in Scripture, it just says an animal, but I truly believe with all my heart that God provided a lamb to die in the place of Adam and Eve, took on their consequences, which was death, and he sacrificed that lamb so that they could be clothed in his righteousness, in his mercy. I believe God in this very moment provided that lamb for Adam and Eve, foreshadowing what Jesus would eventually be for all people. That he was the lamb of God, he was the son of God, that every person from every nation, tongue, and tribe would be able to be clothed in his righteousness despite their sins. That from the beginning of time, God was trying to save his people and demonstrating the grace that he had towards his people and the love that he had towards his people. God could have very easily said, Adam and Eve messed up. I'm going to start all over, just like we do with Lego towers or something, you know, or Jenga. We mess up, we tear down the tower, we start building up a new one. God could have very easily said, well, you know, these people didn't work. I'll create some new ones before they corrupt everything else. I'll just wipe the planet, and then I'll start fresh. But instead, he pulled Adam and Eve aside, and he clothed them because he loved them that much. And listen to me, church. He loves you just as much. He looks at you in all of your brokenness. He looks at you even though you've committed some of the worst sins in the world, in your mind. He looks at you, and he's like, it's okay. I'm going to clothe you in my righteousness. I provided the lamb for you to die in your place. You know, you deserve death, but instead I'm going to provide this lamb to die in your place. And what you'll see is that when Jesus comes, and this is where this whole series is going to be pointing, when Jesus comes, he was the lamb of God that made this possible, not just for Adam and Eve, not just for for Abraham and Isaac, when he provided a, a ram in Isaac's place, but he covered the entire world for all who would believe and follow his son. 
And if you follow Jesus, Romans 6.23 will say, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, Jesus lived a perfect life, died the ultimate death that you deserved for all who call on his name, all who take their cross up daily and follow him, all who confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised Jesus from the grave, they will be clothed in righteousness. And on the day of judgment, when we stand before God, God will see our royal clothing of Jesus. And he'll say, there is nothing that I can fault you for because I see Jesus has already clothed you. If you're living with God, you have this hope and comfort that while you're still a sinner, Christ will still clothe you. While you still fall short of the glory of God, he is there to always clothe you in his righteousness. But if you or if someone that you know, a family member, a friend, a stranger is not a follower of Christ, they don't have this hope. They've not yet been clothed by the Lamb of God, by the Son of God, and God is waiting to clothe you, and he's waiting to clothe them. But what he calls us to is something far deeper and more prominent than what we even deserve. God called us to participate in the Great Commission to go and clothe people too, to go and, and uh, help with this clothing of people, to make a, a physical move towards people and share with them this hope that we have, this love that we've experienced by the clothing of God. And I just want to plead with you to come to the altar to pray as we wrap up come to the front row of chairs, to, to come up to the altar, that, to make a physical move, to either ask God to become Lord over your life for the first time in your life, or to, and to receive the gift of salvation, or just simply come to the altar and plead with God, beg God, and say, God, I, I want to be the one that helps them clothe themselves in righteousness. I want to be the one that walks up and I'm going to pray and I'm going to plead with you so that I can go into the world. I can go to my family member. I can go to my friend, that, that person that we all have in our mind that's not a believer or doesn't follow God. And we, we want to walk up and we want to plead with God, say, God, just let me be a part of your commission to start clothing people in your son's righteousness. Help me to do that. And so I, I want to ask you, I want to plead with you to come up to the altar and pray for that person that's in your mind. To start praying for that lost person in your mind. And if you don't know, then pray for God to give you opportunities to find those people. So that you might see other people get clothed in the same righteousness that you already have. Pray that they might receive salvation too so that they can be clothed in his righteousness.